So this morning, we are beginning a new series called The Gospel of the Kingdom. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 24. We're going to be there the majority of the time this morning. But in this series, what I want to do is I want to unpack words, parables, and teachings of Jesus as to what is the kingdom of God. Then we're going to ask how, how do we actually walk out and, uh, and apply and live out this gospel that he's given us? How do we actually obey his commands? What does that look like? And I also want to take a look at where we are at as the body of Christ in preparing for his return. Amen? And that's where we're going to start today. And so the title of today's sermon is Pay Attention. (laughs) Pay Attention. I want to begin our key text where I want to jump off from is Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Let's pray. Lord, I ask God, first and foremost, the grace and anointing necessary, Lord, to communicate your word. Lord, I ask, Father, that the words that are spoken today would be words that we are in need of. Lord, I pray, Father, for the unveiling of your word, the unveiling of your truth. God, that it would, that it would have a, like a holy outcome in our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would find ourselves being called back to center our lives on the gospel of the kingdom. Lord, I pray, Father, that this day would be the first of just a, of a, of a holy call to recenter our lives on your kingdom purpose. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen. Have you ever gone to one of those movies and you're like an hour into it and the plot still isn't revealed? And you go like, how on earth did I agree to come to this movie? <laughs> Secondly, when is this going to be over? And then you're like, well, what am I even doing here? You ever been stuck in a movie like that? And you're going back in the old days when we used to go to the theater. Remember that? And uh, but then you, But you won't walk away from the movie theater because you've already got this time invested. You know, if I've already sat here an hour, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to, I'm going to man up or you're going to woman up. I'm going to endure this. I paid $100 to watch this movie practically. And so until finally somewhere long into that movie, it's like, oh, finally there's a plot, you know. Now it's starting to pick up. And then as, then as the plot thickens, it, it starts to become apparent while the, why the setup took so long. And, and now it is so awesome that you want everybody to go see it. But then you have to explain. Now it takes a while, you know. But if you can endure through all of that, eventually, man, it's going to take off and it's going to blow your socks off. How many you ever experienced that? Okay. Do you know those kinds of movies are pretty rare? 
You know why? Because movie makers know that most people won't endure that. Most people won't wait till it gets good. They'll, they'll, they're already going back, getting their refund at the, at the ticket booth, and they're going to go see some action movie with people getting blowed up and all that kind of stuff, right? So movie makers know that if the plot doesn't happen pretty soon, that people are going to disengage. I would say, for the most part, that's where the Christian church has been. That the Christian church has been at this movie called The Christian Life, but it's been boring. And people have wondered and questioned why they are there and wondering if they bought the wrong ticket. But now, today, as global events are taking place, many Christians are beginning to wake up and realize why they are there. Some Christians are beginning to discover why they are actually even born. Some Christians are discovering they're, they're not watching a movie now, they're actually in the movie. They're not, they're not observing anymore. They're actually participants in this epic story that the Father has been telling all along through Christ. And the plot is beginning to thicken. See, there are so many world events happening right now that Scripture has pointed to two to 3,000 years ago. But the question is, is do we have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to the church? Are you hearing me this morning? So to begin this series, I really want to begin with the end in mind. I want to give us all a very basic understanding of the end. Okay? But don't be afraid. Because the ending is actually a beginning. Yes. You remember those kids' stories? They always ended with the phrase, and they lived happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's this kingdom epic story. The plot it thickens, but then all of a sudden, and they lived happily ever after. Okay? That's part of this story. And so, to be perfectly honest, I've never preached this subject before. And this is kind of, I would say, the first time I've really been very direct in, in, in this subject matter. And I'm excited about it. I woke up several times in the night fired up, ready to share some of this. And so I want you to know that it's a mysterious subject. There are a lot of unknowns, but there are certain things that we can know and have hope in. Amen? And so, so what I'm going to give you this morning is really just a basic understanding that most theologians, most of the body of Christ agree on. Are you with me today? I mean, in light of recent events, just by a show of hands, how many of you have thought about the end times? Okay, that's about everybody in here, okay? So we've thought about it, right? And so... So here's the first thing I want to give you. End times 101. <laughs> End times 101. Are y'all ready? So end times, first of all, means the events leading up to the end of this current age as we know it, and then the beginning of the next age, okay, which is the thousand year we see in the book of Revelation, the thousand year reign of the physical person of Jesus. 
You know, Aaron talked a little bit about like the, all of the kingdoms of this world passing away. Why? Because it gives way to the coming of our king. That's a much better deal, okay? <laughs> anyways, I could really go off on that. I mean, what's his tax plan going to be? Uh, anyways, but <laughs> no taxes, I don't think. But this is not anything to be afraid of for the Christian. As a matter of fact, it's something to be extremely excited about extremely excited about and prepared for. Why? Because happily ever after is coming. For example, now the change of ages is not anything to be afraid of. The changing of ages as as one change has already happened. Okay, let me give you, for example, the old covenant. Remember the law, right? The Ten Commandments and all of those 600 some other other statutes and commands and all of that, you know what I'm talking about? This means yes? This means no? Okay, so I got a nod, so generally everybody knows this. Okay, so whenever Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, that age ended, okay? And then the new age with, or let me clarify, the age, I don't want to use even the word the new age, but like the age of Jesus Christ began, now, how many of you would prefer Jesus over the old covenant? Would you say that's a better deal? That is a much better deal, okay? So, so my point is this, is that when that age changes, it's, it, it increases in glory. It's a much better deal, okay? So when the age changes, and see, that's what, what happens when they say end times. It doesn't, doesn't mean uh, just simply gloom, doom, and destruction, though there is a great part of that. But it means a breaking forth into this new glorious age with Christ, where the physical person of Jesus reigns forever. Amen? Or for a thousand years. And so... This is called, so since Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection ushered in the next age called the dispensation of grace. So in other words, you and I live in the, what's called the dispensation of grace. That's a good thing. You know, it's a lot better than dispensation of judgment, okay? Just saying. You live in the dispensation of what's called the dispensation of grace, and people can choose Christ or not choose Christ. But the Bible teaches that that, this age will end, and the next one will begin the thousand-year reign of Christ. So here's the deal. This is so cool to me. If you are alive when Jesus returns, you will never die. Now, how awesome is that? <laughs> Woohoo! Sign me up. You know what I'm saying? Because if I can skip that, yeah. 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 check. I mean, I'm, I'm in, you know? And so this, this is incredibly glorious. And I mean, you have to use your imagination to grab hold of this. But it is what the Bible teaches, Okay. So Matthew 24 is Jesus' sermon on the end times. The end times is, and I want to say it again, is just covered up in, in mystery, and no one knows perfectly how events will happen. People have predicted it, and they've always missed it. So I'm not making any predictions today, okay? Because you know why? People have 100% missed it, 
Not even like, they're not even batting like one out of a hundred million. They've missed it every time, okay? But here's the deal. There are definite signposts that happen along the way. So we have to, as believers, pay attention to what God is doing. Amen? So let's start right here at verse 3 of Matthew 24. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. What does that mean? Races will rise against races. Have you seen any race wars lately? Okay. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, okay, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Oh, that's a happy thought, right? <laughs> and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so I want to draw real quick like a timeline, because sometimes I think pictures kind of help. Can y'all see this board somewhat? Let me just bend it back a little bit. Is that better? You're still good over there, Jace? Okay. If you can't see it online community, it's really Jason's fault. So, but okay, so, so what OC, I'm going to put OC right here. OC means the old covenant, all right? So that was an age right there. All right, then right here at this time frame, we're going to put the cross. Because at the cross, everything changed. That we entered into what's called the dispensation of grace. And the Bible uh, calls it also last days. Now here's what I want you to know. For the past 2,000 years, it has been the last days. Okay? So whenever the apostles say they were in the last days, they were in the last days. But us, we are really in the last days. I mean, we're way last, you know? People say, When's, you know, how soon is this all going to happen? I don't know, but we're, we're a lot closer than we were yesterday, you know? <laughs> and so, and so, here, so here's, here's the deal. We have been in the last days ever since Jesus ascended. 
Okay, and the apostles, the apostles lived with the mindset that his return would be imminent, that it was going to happen really soon. That was their mindset. And every, every follower, every serious follower of Christ since the days of the apostles should all have their eyes looking for his return. Okay, everyone, every believer's eyes for the past 2000 years should be looking for his return. That is righteous, that is holy, that purifies our walk with the Lord, that sanctifies our walk with the Lord, okay? That every eye should be looking for his return, okay? Now, the other thing that Jesus says, don't think I'm slow in coming back. Because as soon as you think that, it's going to be, bam, here he is, okay? So here's the deal. So there's that timeline. Then, okay, I'm going to put a marker right here. So then at the end of the last days, you have what's referred to in Scripture as seven years of tribulation. And, and guys, I want to tell you, there is a ton of Scripture. I, I will just speak references, Okay. Are you good with that? And if you want to go back and home and study it, but there's just too much to go over in one Sunday morning. Are you good with that? Okay. So there's seven years of tribulation, but as soon as that's over with, okay, what happens is, is Jesus comes and puts the skadoosh on the Antichrist right here. All right? Skadoosh. He's gone. He's a goner. Okay? And then from that point forward begins the thousand-year reign. Some people call it the millennial reign of Christ. Millennial is not always a bad word, okay? But, okay, so it has been the last days ever since the days of the apostles, Okay? But, the, the, but we live in this dispensation of grace. This is where we live right now. But it moves toward a seven-year period. A literal, most scholars believe that it is a literal seven-year period of tribulation. And then at the end of that tribulation, Christ breaks in. Now here's the thing. Like I said at the very beginning, many Christians have been like at this Christian movie and have been bored with their faith. Okay, the Lord is starting to wake people up in their faith area, okay? Now, here's the deal. With this seven years of tribulation, let me just give you some references real quick. Um, Daniel 7, 25. Uh, Daniel 9, 26, 27. Revelation 11, 2, and 3. Okay, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see some complex things whenever you go to those passages, but you will see uh, three and a half years mentioned. You'll see, uh, I believe it's in Daniel 9, you'll see the seven-year period mentioned. And then in Revelation 11, it'll say 42 months, which is three and a half years. And then it'll also say 1,260 days, which is also three and a half years. Now, there is a reason why that period is divided in half. There's a reason why it's like three and a half over here and a three and a half over here. It's because of what happens in the middle, 
right at the middle point of that time frame. Scripture calls that the abomination of desolation. Now, the abomination of desolation, Daniel prophesied about it, and then Jesus mentions it again in Matthew 24. So let's pick this up. Starting with verse 15. So remember, we just got through reading that the, this gospel would be preached all over the earth, and then the end will come then. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. Now, let me just pause right here. What Daniel prophesied was about the, about the abomination of desolation. This is basically what this means, is that when the Antichrist would come and stand in the temple of Jerusalem, were their worship center, and he would interrupt all of their sacrifices, and he would make them all stop, and he would declare himself God. That's the abomination of desolation when the temple would be uh, desecrated in that way. Then Jesus says, verse 16, Then when that happens, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who have nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, for those days will be shortened. That's important too, and we'll get to that. So the abomination of desolation, Daniel and Jesus both prophesied that the Antichrist, and you can pick this up in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3, they call him the, the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, the Antichrist. He goes into the temple of Jerusalem at the three and a half year mark, and he stops the sacrifices and declares himself God, and then another three and a half years go by and God nukes him. Because God says, I ain't having none of that, okay? Okay, so let, bear with me, okay? Because some of this is, 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 is a learning thing, and we'll get into some more dynamics. Now, there's a common belief that Matthew 24 was actually fulfilled in 70 AD at the destruction of the temple, okay? That Matthew 24 is actually past events and is not current. I do not hold that belief, because I do not believe that it was solely past events. Now, and here, and I'll give you four basic reasons why. And so the first reason why I do not hold that Matthew 24 is a past, is a past event is because the destruction of Jerusalem was not a worldwide event. And every, every mention that Jesus gives here, he's saying that this is going to happen all over the world. And Jerusalem, as precious as it is in the sight of God, it is not the size of the world. Make sense? Secondly, there was, you can you couple this with other scriptures, but in, in, in 70 AD, there was no resurrection of the dead, like it's promised, because people are going to be popping up out of the ground. It's going to freak everybody out. It'll be awesome. <laughs> the, third, the third and probably most important reason why I don't think Matthew 24 is a has already happened in the past is because by 70 AD the gospel was not all over the world. 
it was pretty well re- uh, relegated to just the into the Middle East, and so it had not traveled everywhere, and so and and there was a much bigger world in the Middle East. Amen. And so and then fourthly, um, fourthly, Jesus's physical throne was not established. In that day. And so that's why there's a lot of people who hold to that as being Matthew 24 as having happened all in the past. But I just gave you four clear reasons why I do not agree with that stance um, because of those four uh, key reasons. Are you good so far? Yes. Are you good? Are y'all getting something out of this? Okay. So there's four words I want to give you that are really important in terms of talking about the end time. So the first word is the word rapture. You ever heard of the word rapture? Okay. So the rapture is when Jesus sends all the angels together, all the Christians who are dead and alive. You got to think that that's going to be one awesome roller coaster run. You know what I mean? So that, that's a pretty amazing thing. And so here, here's where we get that, that concept. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 and 18, it'll be on the screen if you can't turn there because we're going to come right back to Matthew 24. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 says this, For I say to you, or for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Now here's Jesus' version back in Matthew 24, verse 27. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with heaven, with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from all four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Come on with that. That's awesome. Gathered up. We have so much to be excited about. I mean, that rod alone. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Okay, so now let me erase this real quick so we can see something a little bit better. Because I want to give you three other words that are really important in terms of how people how scholars and theologians look at this. And, you know, according to whatever view people have, you know, that, that's not one I'm going to arm wrestle people over with. Okay, I have a view, and, um, but um, whatever your view is, you know, I'm good with it. Okay, and so, but let me just show you real quick. So this, like I said, the seven-year tribulation Okay, the first word I want to give you, and it's still operating off of this timeline here, 
Okay, so the first word I want to give you is what's called pre-tribulation. Now, this is what's important. This is the view that rapture happens before the seven-year period. So this is pre-tribulation. This is your pain-free option right here. You don't get a vote, but I'm just telling you, that's the pain-free option, okay? And then there is the mid-tribulation view that rapture happens at the midpoint. So at the three-and-a-half-year point, this is mid-tribulation. Uh, mid and then it's okay. So the pre is pain-free. Mid is mild pain or middle pain, okay? And then there's the post-tribulation view that rapture happens at the end of the seven-year deal. Post, post-tribulation. It's the view that rapture happens, and there you have the full pain. Okay? That's where you have to go through all of it. Those are the three different views. I want to give you two basic reasons on my view, okay? Two basic reasons why my view is actually post-tribulation, that I, I think we will go through it, okay? Now, remember, I'm telling you, this is all mystery and nobody knows for sure, all right? So just listen with me, please. Other pastors have other views that, I mean, they are pastors that I respect on, greatly on both ends of this thought, okay? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to humbly interpret Scripture, okay? And so, so here's two reasons why I, I think on, on the, on the post-tribulation uh, uh, reality. For me personally, it's the only way that it makes sense as you read it, through a simple reading of the Scripture. And so I, I just think that it's, it's the most sound and the most simplistic. That's, and then secondly... As a pastor who has responsibility to lead other people, I would much rather prepare people for the worst case scenario. You know what I mean? I would much just how many of you how many of you would like for your doctor to be honest with you? You know, it's it's the same deal, you know. And so since I'm not in the driver's seat, since I'm not controlling how this whole thing's gonna work out. Okay, I would much rather present you, here are the scenarios, here's the worst, okay? This is the pain-loaded one, but here's the, here's the thing, here's the thing. If I'm wrong on this, bonus, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, here, but here's what I think, though. If we go through it all, there has got to be a quality in you to be able to make it seven years. There's got to be a strength in you that you're going to need. And so if I'm not honest in telling you that, hey, we may actually go through it. If I'm not straight up with you, you're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? Yep. And so our faith has to be real in a real living God. But, here, here's the, here, but here's the big picture. It's seven years of, of awful, but a thousand years of awesome. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
So in the meantime, let this be your prayer, Revelation 3, 10 and 11. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have and that no one take your crown. Cool? Now here's the second part, where we are today. You go, Pastor, this all seems far-fetched. It's hard to believe. I get it. Whenever you've been watching this boring Christian life movie, I get it. But you see, the fact of the matter is our Christian faith is not simply about being good or bad. The gospel of the kingdom is actually about the coming of a king. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Let me just give you some frame of reference here. 30 plus years ago, my pastor growing up, he taught on the end times and he told us of days when terrorists would enter churches, shoot them up and challenge people to, to die for their faith. As a kid, that seemed far-fetched. How many times has it happened in the past 10 years? Times are changing, aren't they? In the 80s, I know some of you kids, that probably just seems like an eternity ago. But, uh, but in the 80s, David Wilkerson prophesied that there would come a day when nudity would be on TVs all across America, and people called him crazy, said it would never happen. Well, times have changed. Scripture prophesies that every eye would see Jesus coming back on, on, to Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives. People said that that was impossible because the world is too big and round. It would be impossible. Within the past 10 years now, technology now makes it possible. If he t returns at midnight, every eye can see because of technology. And those trumps would be so loud, I bet, in Jerusalem that everybody's going to wake up. I'm just saying Revelation 20 verse 4 talks about those who, were, who would be beheaded for their faith and how they would reign with Christ in that millennial reign. Being beheaded for their faith, 30 years ago, that seemed far-fetched. Five years ago, what did we see on TV with, uh, with ISIS? Matter of fact, there are more martyrs today than at any other point in time in history. I was told that there would come a day, while well, one of my pastors, that there would come a day when churches wouldn't be allowed to assemble but have to become underground churches. This is my opinion, this part. It may not all be about coronavirus. In the next 18 months, a survey by the Barna Institute said one in five churches would close in the next 18 months. I'm just saying that there might be another agenda. That's my opinion, and I'm going to stop right there. You see, here's the thing. Many people believe that World War II was the, during, during that time frame, if you lived during World War II, many people thought that that was the end and that Hitler was the Antichrist. Because after all, I mean, come on, Hitler. I mean, that has got to be him, right? You know? 
But when the clouds didn't rip open, people thought they were wrong. They had created different interpretations, and then the church fell asleep. My theology professor um, in college talked about the cyclical, what he called the cyclical fulfillment of prophetic literature, meaning cycles of prophetic literature would only partially be fulfilled but wouldn't completely be fulfilled until the day of the Lord. Are you with me? So for instance, like Isaiah has a prophecy about Hezekiah, but it was only partially fulfilled because the prophecy was really about Christ and it was fulfilled in him. Make sense? So it's partial there, but more fully there. And so throughout the past 2,000 years, check this out, People believe that uh, the Roman Emperor Nero was an Antichrist, that Napoleon was, and that Hitler was. But, but here's the thing. They were in spirit. Okay? But here's, here's the, the big ticket issue. It was in 1948, whenever Israel became a nation, the clock started ticking. Because... Up until that time, Israel had not been a nation since the fall of, of the nation in 70 AD. Okay? Now, whenever Israel became a nation in 1948, the prophetic scripture clock started ticking. Okay? Now, here's, here's the thing. In 2018, 70 years later, which biblically is a biblical generation, many of you probably saw this. Trump moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem that was a fulfillment of prophecy that an outside world leader would recognize Israel's claim to Jerusalem. This is huge. Okay, things are happening on a world stage. Okay, now check this out. To commemorate this event, this is what Israel did. Israel made a coin with Trump's image on it alongside of Cyrus, king of Persia. Why is this important? Because... Cyrus helped lead um, the Israelites out of captivity 70 years after they'd been drowned out. Okay, so that was Cyrus. Now, 70 years later, with Trump recognizing the capital of Jerusalem no longer at Tel Aviv, that was a biblical generation. So now they have a coin with his image printed on it. Is that making sense? So... Trump recognized their claim on it to Jerusalem on their 70th year of statehood. Now, last month, last month what was signed was the Abraham Accords. How many of y'all saw that on, on TV? Not many, of, not many, okay? The Abraham Accords, that was a, it was a peace treaty between the U.S., Israel, UAE, and Bahrain. Now, what, what this means is, is that all of these nations, and you'll have to research it, and I can't go into all of it, okay? But this is what this means, is that there would be a normalization, that was the key word, a normalization between all of these nations, and that other nations like Egypt and Jordan would also get in on this normalization. And normalization means that everybody can pass back and forth freely, and they all can worship at the temple freely according to their religious tradition. That was a massive landmark in scriptural prophetic fulfillment. 
Isaiah, if you want to go back and check it, Isaiah 19 talks about this highway that travels between Egypt on up to Jerusalem and that worshipers, I mean, are going to go back and forth. And I think this normalization is actually going to create a platform for, number one, the incredible sharing of Christ. Prophetic scripture says that there would be a massive uh, conversion, uh, Israelites converting to Christ during the last days. I'm connected with two pastors in Israel. They are saying people are coming to Christ like crazy. Now here's the other thing. This is pro- that's, that's the good part of this Abraham Accord. Now the bad part is, is it, it kind of sets the stage for also really negative things to happen. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad with it. So Israel, if you can just bear with me, Israel approached Trump to help them rebuild the temple and to restore temple worship. It's been prophesied, okay, from Scripture that before the Lord's return that that worship would be reinstituted. Okay, so they approached Trump to help them rebuild the temple, get it set back up the way they have. They already have priestly garments getting ready. They're training priests, and they're also got an ark ready, many believe, to get it up and going again. Now, the rest, now I want you to think about this. The restoration of their worship at the temple hasn't happened since 70 A.D., This is huge. Now, the restoration of their worship is what makes now the abomination of desolation now a very real possibility. Because remember what the abomination of desolation is, is that they would come into the temple, interrupt all of their sacrifices, and then that person would declare themselves God. And so now, that actually could be a possibility. Daniel prophesied it, and so did Jesus. See, the reality of it is is that we, as Christians, must wake up from this Christian life movie that we've been stuck in, and we need to start paying attention. Because things are happening at a global scale. I don't know what it all means. There's a lot of mystery in it. But by golly, we better be paying attention. Some of these signs can't be ignored. See, it was really easy to think Matthew 24 was all a past event until some of these things started happening. So number three, what about us? I'm going to wrap it up. What about us? Well, Matthew 13, 39, and Revelation 14 14 through 15, talks about an end-time prophecy that the church would be pure, strong, and healthy, and ready to receive the king. Now, here's, here's the deal. That's all beautiful, but here's where our individual minds go. I know my mind went there every time I heard a preacher talk about this. Don't come yet, Lord. I want to get married. I want to go to, I want to, go to college. I want to have a career. I want to have a house. I mean... Are there any honest people out there? I got things I want to do, God. You know what I mean? And I could expound upon that, but I'm not going to right now. But can I just tell you that when he comes, he's going to be coming right in the middle of somebody, something. 
yes, Lord, come, but not mine, theirs, somebody else, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Okay, so I want to tell you, I want to tell you a couple things about this. One is harsh and one is hopeful. Here's the harsh one. Is that kind of thinking really reveals your heart and that your priorities may not be Christ's priorities and that, that you're a little bit out of balance because here, here's what we want to cling to. You want to cling to a bag of M&Ms when he's offered you $50 billion. Now, I like M&Ms. They're my favorite snack. Matter of fact, this weekend, uh, I got a bad batch. You know how sometimes you can get a bad batch and you're like, you know, every one of them was bad, you know. I'm like, I'm going to go to the store and redo, but I kept trying, but they're just bad. Anyways, you know, but here's the deal. We want to cling to this life. And now there's a lot of wonderful things about this life. A lot of things about this life that have eternal ramifications you know, who you marry, your spouse, and how you love your kids. and all of, There's a lot of things that have eternal ramifications that as you love one another, that that's storing up eternal riches that will never be taken away from you. But don't hold on to the bag of M&Ms when he's offered you $50 billion. And Here's the hopeful thing. You need to think about getting married. You need to think about going to college. You need to think about building a life that honors Christ. Because at the end of the day, you can't control any of it. You can't control any of it. You can't know for sure when he comes. It is a singular event and moment in history. Just as the cross was a singular event and moment in history, okay? You can't control. So give your life to this gospel. Plant, build, and grow. Okay? A lot of things still have to happen for scripture to be fulfilled. And so you're probably, I mean, it could be 10, 50 to 100 and other years. No one really knows, okay? But let me just tell you this. Matthew 24 and 25 are all one sermon. Matthew 24 is about his return and Matthew 25 is how to live in light of his return. And in Matthew 25, he gives us two parables, the parable of the 10 virgins and the parable of the talents. Okay, the parable of the talents is all about what God has given you to grow and build and do life with. Okay, so be a five talent servant, be a two talent servant. Do all that you can for the glory of God. You need to think about careers and college and you need to think about getting married and building a family. Why? Because all of that honors God. But at the same time, you better remember that it is all about Christ and his kingdom and you give your all to his gospel. You give your all to who he is. Because you don't want to end up being that one talent servant that God afraid, built a bunker and lived in a hole. Don't build a bunker. And then the 10 virgins was like this. Be watching, waiting, and praying. Pay attention. So if I could simplify it for you in this this way. You keep one eye on his word. You keep one eye looking up, but you keep two feet on the ground. 
You keep sharing that gospel. You keep preaching that gospel. You live radically for his kingdom. You keep doing the things of planting, building, and growing to see his kingdom come. You keep on keeping on because that's how you prepare for his return. You share your faith. You share the gospel. You plant, build, and grow what he's planting, building, and growing. That's how you prepare. Because he says the servants don't know the day or the hour, and we don't. Do we? But get your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Here's the thing. The church has not arisen the way he has desired. That has to happen. His church must arise and be preaching the gospel of the kingdom like never before. I see, I think what's happened is, is the church has got inoculated by buying into the gospel of prosperity or, G, or the gospel of Jesus is my life coach or the gospel of you better, a better life now. You know, all of that junk. You see, and so it's, it's made, made the church weak, the American church anyhow, weak in terms of the procl- proclamation of the gospel of his kingdom. I don't really think that the American church really has tasted the gospel of the kingdom fully to its fullest extent. So what do we give ourselves to? We give ourselves to the proclamation of the gospel of his kingdom to see revival come and people come to Christ like crazy. I want you to know, say, the gospel's been preached online on Facebook all over the world, okay? But it's not in its fullness. I had an old pastor tell me this once that the reason we preach Christ's return is for the sanctification of people so that people would set their lives apart as unto the Lord and get rid of the sin that so easily entangles them. Amen? Amen. May we give our lives to the proclamation of your gospel, Lord. Let's stand.